All right, welcome to the April 18 episode of the New York Sports Roundup podcast. I'm Chris. I got Jim here with me. Today, we are going back to the NFL draft because it's basically the only major uh, sporting event that's that's going on and looks like it's it's absolutely going to happen. They're going to be announcing the picks from uh, from Roger Goodell's basement, apparently. Uh, but we'll take it. We'll take it because we want to see some sports and we need something to talk about and to drink beer during and to shit talk about and to send mean tweets and and texts to our friends about uh, when they support other teams. So we'll take a draft from from Goodell's basement. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the betting on the draft. We want to give you guys some insight into into uh, the picks we've made. So hopefully you can join us in making some money. We want to talk about the, the draft logistics a little bit because that's going to be different this year than we've ever seen before. Before we get into the draft, though, uh, we we want to take a minute and, and have a drink in honor of the fact that, as we talked about on, on one of our earlier pods, our Vegas trip is canceled. We were supposed to be in Vegas for the draft. I was supposed to be drinking really expensive bourbon and betting live and and being happy and Jim was supposed to be there drinking whiskey at three in the morning and getting propositioned by women of ill repute. And I'm sorry for you that that will no longer be possible. Um, in any event, before we get into the draft, I want to I want to talk a little bit about Jadeveon Clowney. What's going on with him? Why isn't he signed? I think he just wants too much money. I think he's um, I think he's asking for too much. I think it's interesting that um, he wanted to be. He went from wanting to be Khalil Mack and his and that money, to then taking apparently, and we don't know, right? It's all rumor, but taking a decrease and saying, "All right, I'll go down to what is it like fourteen, fifteen million a year, maybe a little bit lower than that." I guess that's what they were saying. Is like he, now he was going to talk about fourteen or fifteen million, but I could, I never got a sense of was he talking about that on a one year prove it deal or is he talking about he would take that on a long term contract I'm guessing at this point now it's a one year prove it deal I think so and too. maybe that's why teams are like we're not going to give you that we're going to give you we'll give you maybe a two years 30 um, two years 32 but that's what I think teams want it'll be interesting where I, I think ultimately he ends up in Seattle um, you know saying this as a Jets fan that we have money to spend if we wanted to. You know, if we wanted to make that final splash in free agency with Clowney, uh, we could do that. But I just see him going to Seattle. It's a big need there. Seattle is still in win now mode, especially with this how the NFC West is just stacked at this point. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what he lands at. It'll be interesting to see if he signs before training camp, because we've seen this before, where a lot of these star guys, Jameis, Camp, Cam Newton, a lot of these star guys just hold out, hold out, hold out. They shoot themselves in the foot by doing it. Yeah, they finally yeah. sign for some whatever number, usually just to skip training camp because they don't give it. They don't give a crap. Get the money and then just play maybe half the year. I mean, that's probably what's gonna happen. It's a fuck up though. I mean, the way he's played this free agency is is absolutely a fuck up. He he went from turning down offers, which okay, I get they weren't the twenty million dollars year he wanted, but he was reportedly getting offers in like the. 17, 16, 17 million dollar a year range, and we have yeah. no idea if those reports are accurate or not, but I, I tend to believe that they are, to now maybe 
taking a one-year prove-it deal at 15 or 16 million. And the thing is, as bad as a one-year prove-it deal is, it's really bad for a guy like Clowney who's got an injury history. Right. Because he gets hurt in like the fourth game and proves that you know he's an injury risk all over again. Then the prove-it deal becomes another prove-it deal. And, you know, football is not a long career. Like, you have 70, 60, $80 million on the table. There's no guarantee that's still going to be there. So no, I, I think you completely fucked this up. Yeah, it's the whole Le'Veon Bell strategy. I mean, we've seen it. You, you, you always have two sides of this argument that are pretty strong, right? The one side is, oh, yeah, let the guy hold out. He deserves the most money. He should get the most money. But you know, the other side is basically saying the math doesn't work out if you decide to go that route, right? If you decide to hold out a year, if you decide to take your ball and go home, so to speak, you lose out on the long term. Even if you're saving your body, you lose out on the long term because you're not making the money up front like you are. Plus, money now is worth more than money next year or money three years from now because obviously talk about all the economics behind it. So, yeah, ultimately you should sign for whatever you can get. Yeah. You know, if you can get $13 million a year, take, 13 million take, a year. take it for two years. You know, and 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 be done with it. But it'll yeah. Now, having said that, I think Clowney. The, the the argument now about Clowney is that he's not worth the money, which I disagree with. I get he has the injury history, but when he's healthy, Clowney is a difference maker. Yeah, the guy can stop the run like the best of them. Yeah, he's one of the best best pass rushers in a league that does not have pass rushers, right? Because when you look at the needs of teams, the two things that always come up are offensive linemen and pass rushers. Those are the two things. Those are the most that's core of your team. And it's always in, in, it's always a need. It's always searched for. Now, when you're talking about maybe a top five pass rush in the league right now, he deserves the money. He deserves money, but but I never thought he deserved eighteen to twenty million dollars a year. No, I, I would not have one. paid him that, and I, I wouldn't have paid him that on a four or five Aaron million dollar a year. He's not yeah. Aaron Donald, right? So I'm saying like that's what he wanted. He wanted yeah. to hit twenty million dollars a year, and that's great. I want to be in a hot tub with many beautiful Hollywood actresses. Like that's not going to fucking happen either. Yeah. So at some point, you just have to say to yourself. I've got, I'm not going to get my $20 million a year. And because of that, I'm not going to thumb my nose at, you know, five years, 75 million. It's not what I wanted, but I'm going to take it and, and I'm going to be happy with that amount of money. Right. When you, when you over, look, the market sets your price. And right now the market's pegging his price at one year, 15 million instead of five years, 75 million. And that's a change over the course of a month. So when you've, when you when your market value has dropped that much since the start of free agency, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, as teams fill their needs through the draft, you got less and less leverage, right? Oh, yeah. So, look, the Titans are still out there, the Browns are still out there, um, and uh, I guess I guess Seattle's still out there. But I think Seattle's kind of moved on, honestly. I think it's now going to be the Titans or the Browns who are going to come away with him on a one-year prove-it deal, and we'll see how that goes. I can see the Browns doing it if they trade Odell. Is they trade Odell? Yeah, I don't know if they want to bring all of these. I think they're getting sick of the star players in their, in their locker room. They're skittish about having too many. Imagine if they too many offices, that, yeah. Titans, yeah. I can see, but where is the money coming from? I don't know how much money the Titans have left. I don't know how much they have left, but but I think they're one of those teams that can rework some money and 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 you know they've got some pretty pretty easy like restructures that they could they could free up enough to get it done. Yeah, we'll see what happens with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clowney, Clowney overplayed his hand, and he he's become, I think, sort of the latest in a long line of cautionary tales about what not to do um, in free agency. But look, it's time for the draft, so so let's turn to that. You know, it's an interesting draft 
on a lot of levels. The first thing is is logistics-wise. I think there's really going to have to be, you know, some thought put into slowing down a little bit and making sure that you get it right. Because with all of these teams in different locations and trades kind of happening on the fly, like I could see some real screw-ups here where somebody thinks they have a trade but it doesn't get called into the league office and they're waiting for a different team to pick and then they're skipping them because they missed their time because they thought they had a trade. Do you think that, you know, the plan and the technology is going to make this run seamlessly or do you share my concern that there's plenty of opportunity for screw-ups in this thing? Oh, it's plenty of opportunity for screw-ups. I mean, they're, they're using technology that even in our private lives, right, or, or in, our, in our work that we do, we see lag, we see drop-offs all the time. You're, you're dependent on your Wi-Fi connection. You're dependent on what internet you know, package you have. Um, what's well, I got to think Jerry Jones has got a pretty good fucking internet well, yeah, package, what about, right? What about the scouts, right? What about the other guys that are usually in that room That's true. that have to make decisions? Now, they could be at their house. Now, you would assume they're getting paid, but sometimes these lower-level scouts who have that knowledge you want in that war room could be on you know a regular home. Not, yeah. You, know, you, you hear about these guys all the time making you know fifty sixty thousand a year. Yeah. You think they're having the, the master package master internet package? Probably no, not. but I assume you get all those guys in one place and for for that day you have your IT people set them up. Well, I, I special, heard that right? they're not trying to push that because of this whole you know social distancing. Um, they don't want to have people on planes flying each you know, to different locations or, yeah, or you know, so. I agree with you hundred percent. I think you are. I think. The contingency plan is to go, obviously go back to the owner or the GM and just have them make the pick if there's drop-offs or whatever. Just call it into some, you know, whatever they're calling into. But it'll be interesting as far as the internet. I don't know if we're going to get a close look at this. I don't know if they're going to be showing. They're probably going to be showing like Jerry Jones on Skype. Right. I don't think they're going to have us look into the like they usually. You know, if you look at a draft like before this, right? You could see into the worms of certain teams. I don't think they're going to have it done this time. I, 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 I'm not getting that sense that they're going to have us like plugged into the Zoom call. So what are you going to what are you going to be watching the entire time in between when they're making? I guess the oh, analysts gonna, will just be vamping. It's going to be like uh, what uh, Mel Kiper on just Skype. vamping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder. So the the team structure I kind of get right, but so you got Goodell who's going to be in his basement announcing these picks. Do you think that teams are going to be calling their pick into Goodell's basement, or are they calling the pick into somewhere else that then being relayed into Goodell's basement? I think it's that. I think it's it's being relayed to him. To Goodell. They have to call whoever the administrator is, and then they log it in. And I'm assuming he's going to see it pop up on a computer. I don't think it's there. I don't think they're going to call him every time. It probably just pops up almost how he do like a fantasy draft, right? They probably plug it in. He sees the number two name, college, pops up. He reads the name in college, and that's it. Because Goodell's not going to fucking know the college of, like, you know, the, an offensive tackle at a George. Like, he's not going to know that shit. So he's going to have to see it pop up, and he'll read it off. I, I don't know. I mean, it really strikes me as this is one of those drafts where, you know, where they could get something wrong. And how the NFL deals with this and how they correct it if that happens, um, I think it's going to go a long way to determining whether this draft is deemed a success or a failure. But I do think that the key for everybody is to slow it down. And, yeah. and so those I mean, They're going to have 15 minutes in between. So like, even if somebody says, uh, I want an Andrew Works, not Makai Becton, 
you know, they fucked it up or I have proof. I mean, they have 15 minutes to figure it out. To fig- you got to fix it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's embarrassing if you announce it and then have to go back and fix True. it. True, it's it's that Oscars moment, right? With right. The fighting or whatever that was. Where they get it wrong. You yeah. don't want to get it wrong. So I'm I'm hoping that they do enough on the front end to to have some kind of double check to make sure that they're getting the right pick. And but more than that, I think it's the trades because Goodell's not on, and the central headquarters isn't on the phone when you're you know when you're consummating a trade. And so you got two teams make a trade, and one of them calls it in. And the other one didn't know that they called it in or something like that. I, I don't know. I see a lot of room for for trades to be kind of kind of dicey. Uh, so hopefully that that doesn't happen because it would be great just to have a nice smooth draft that made us forget that the world is ending. But um, you know who knows if that's going to happen. Turning to the you know the the picks. I mean I think the first pick and the second pick we all agree, are solid. To me, the, the, the big question in this draft is that, is that third pick. And to me, the Lions really hold the keys to the kingdom in this draft. And I think, I think most people agree with that. I know you had some thoughts about would they stay put and take Oduka. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to trade out. And the question in my mind is who do they trade out to? Do they have enough interest in that pick that they can leverage the Dolphins to get something great or not? And that, to me, is where this whole draft like turns or doesn't turn. I'll be honest with you. So, you know, obviously this is the New York podcast. I think it's the Giants' dream if the Lions trade out because I feel like I know right now a lot of mocks have Werfs or – Thomas or one of the offensive tackles going to the Giants, but you have to assume if the Lions trade out to Dolphins, to your point, to the Chargers, even to the Patriots, which has been thrown out there, it's obviously Tua at that point. I, I can't see them turning up for a cornerback. That means Oduka drops in the Giants' lap. Now, this is, I mean, now look, I'm, I'm talking as a Jets fan, but I have to figure this guy is being rumored to be the next man-to-man shutdown corner. Now, I, that could that always blows up, usually. But, and not knowing the Giants' needs, I, I understand offensive line is a major problem, but I feel like to get the next generational shutdown corner on a defense that struggled mightily last year is something that would be very interesting to see as, a four, as the fourth pick. Now, I look, I, I think we, we're, we disagree on this. I don't think the Lions trade out here. I think the Lions take the corner. Really? They traded Darius Slay for I a reason. I know they need a corner, but they, I think yeah. they're going to trade out. I think they traded Darius Slay for a reason. I think they know that this kid is probably going to fall into their lap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think I think the, I think, I, I think they're going to get Oduka. I just think they're going to get him at five. I don't know. I think the Giants... There's got to be worry from the Lions camp that the Giants would take him at four because th- th- it's also a huge need for the Giants. I mean, they, they lost... Jenkins last year. Yeah, but you, you just signed uh, uh, Bradbury. You've yeah. got a first-round pick in DeAndre. you got Sam Beal, who's a third-round pick. I mean, cornerback, I mean, is always a position you need. I mean, even Jerry Reese was like, you can never have enough good cornerbacks. Or, or he said, if you've got two, you're short one, right? Yeah. So I totally get that. But I think that, that the Lions think that the Giants are between an offensive tackle and Simmons. And so they're, what they're going to try and do is trade back to five with Miami and, and still take Oduka. What happens, let me, tell, let me give a hypothetical, not going to happen situation. Right. What happens if the rumors are true? 
that um, Cam, uh, Cam Newton, sorry, that uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name now. The Redskins, the new Redskins coach. What wrong? Ron Rivera. Yeah, Ron Rivera. So what happened? Like there was a rumor. I think one of the one of the newspapers wrote up in Florida like months ago that Ron Rivera went to two and basically said we want we're bringing you in to compete with uh, what happens. <laughs> There's no way that. What happens, happens if all of a sudden Redskins take two off the board of two? How does that how does that affect this whole thing? Because I well well I guess it affects it because it it changes the. Does the, do the Lions take Chase? Oh, thing? absolutely! The Lions take Chase. The, the Lions run. I mean, they they run that pick up up and they take Chase Young, and then the Giants are in the capper seat for for Justin Herbert, uh, because now you've got two teams, right? So so the Dolphins in this scenario miss out on Tua, and you've got the Chargers who are now terrified that the Dolphins are going to take Herbert. or take Herbert, who yeah. they're they're eyeing as their quarterback of the future. So now the Giants are sitting there talking to Miami and and the Chargers saying, "Who wants Herbert more? And what do we get? Right. And if and if Miami wants it, they've got three first round picks, right? You're not going to outbid Miami if they decide they they're going to take their quarterback. They have right so here. many holes, though. I can't see them trading their entire thing for a, a unknown, you know, That's commodity. What people plus, do with quarterbacks. He's not going to start this year. Let's just. I, I think they love Fitzpatrick enough that Fitzpatrick will get half the games, and then they're going to see what they have. I mean. You know, I think, well, first of all, the book's out on Rosen. I think that's uh, the fact that they didn't even play him last year, uh, you know, just goes to show you that they didn't trust Rosen now. But I think they trust Fitzpatrick enough to have him in games where uh, they would have some rookie starts. I don't know if they're going to leverage or mortgage the farm, so to speak. I think they have a lot of holes, too. I think that Tunsil trade really hurt the offensive line. Now, they did invest a ton of money this year into their team. That's what I'm saying. I think, they've, I think that they've invested so much money that they have to come away with a quarterback, and they have to come up. I they have to come that. away with one of the premier quarterbacks. And if they don't, I think they're going to get killed, and I think it's going to set them back. Um, by the way, you, you brought up uh, Laramie Tunsil, and, and in my mind, uh, I actually like him, but I'll never get out of my mind the picture of him with that gas mask bong thing that made him drop from potentially the first round pick in the draft to, I think it was 12th, right? Maybe it was 8th, 12th? I don't know. Something like that. Somewhere in that range. But some news out of NFL world today. Mikhail Becton uh, failed the drug test at the combine. And, um, you know, that is obviously very concerning. What do you think that's going to do to his draft stock? Do you see it as something that's going to really push this guy down? Or do you see it as... Probably not going to be a big deal. He may slip a little bit, but no harm, no foul. So we we discussed this a little bit um, before the podcast, but uh, look, we don't know what the drug is. If it's if it's heroin, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. <laughs> you know, if it's meth, we got, we got we got I have big problems if it's meth. I have a problem if it is weed and he loses the draft position because I, I am so sick of that shit. And that's why like Tunsil should have been top five pick. You know, the fact that that came out right before the draft. First of all, he was sandbagged by his agent or his father. I it was his father. Something like some, that. Some, yeah, or his stepfather or something. He like cost him millions of dollars, right? Yeah. And it was, it was like a revenge move. It doesn't matter if it's weed. Just stop. It's not going to affect his reputation. It's not going to affect his locker room presence. And now it's legal anyway in the NFL. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it anymore about that. So if it's, if it's that, no. It's not going to affect it. If it isn't, and if it's steroids or if it's another drug we don't know about, yes. Now, it'll be interesting what happens on draft day. If Becton is all of a sudden, and you see this all the time in a draft, right? A player that's always been mocked top 10, 
And us as the layman's sit there and say, layman's. why all of a sudden is Becton there at 25? Uh, what the hell? Hey, we should trade up and get him, trade up and get him, not knowing anything. So if he's sitting there at 20, still available, you know, you know damn well, it's, <laughs> it's not serious. me. It, it wasn't not. me. And it wasn't a tainted supplement. Yes. Um, the, the question I have is, though, do they tell the teams what drug it is? Or they just tell them they fa- he failed a drug test? I don't know. I don't know that they have the information on what it is. I would assume it would pop up. It's like because right, when you go into like a like a, like a job interview, and you get the job and you go for a drug test, I'd assume a drug is revealed, or is it just they failed the test? No, they just tell you they failed the test. So maybe that's what it is. I don't so know. they may not know. So, so you might be know. flying blind. Yeah. And you just you, you hope you take the risk. Although I did. He, the guy like when you're investing <laughs> millions of dollars into a player. Well, the thing is, he knows what what it is. Yeah. And. They say that he set up calls with teams after the fact to talk about it. So I assume that he's disclosed what it was, and and we'll see what it was. was he truthful? Oh, come on. He's going to lie about that? Maybe. Well, you could see if you can guarantee yourself $4 million. I don't know that NFL teams are that stupid. There's probably something in the contract that says... You know, if it's you've told us that it was a weed test. If it turns out it was meth... We're voiding this. Could you know, be. it's voidable. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, th- these guys have good lawyers. They yeah. have good lawyers. So, I, I, we've got we've got the Giants sitting at, sitting at four, and I am ready to make my pick. Are you ready to hear this? Sure. So, I think the Giants trade down. Now, do you want to go one, two, three here, or do you want to just go to four and just assume that? Well, Joe Burrow is going one. Chase Young's going two. And you're assuming that, the, but you said it's, you assume the Lions are trading out. Who I assume the I assume two is going three to the Dolphins. Got it. Okay. And now we're sitting at four, and I think the Giants are trading out of four. Okay. As well. Okay. So I don't know exactly where the Giants are trading out to, but I do believe that the Giants will not trade out lower than tenth. I think they're going to stay in the top ten. And I'm putting my pick in right now for the Giants. I'm, I'm pushing my, my chips into the middle here and saying, kind of contrary to some what other people are saying about Isaiah Simmons and Tristan Wirfs, I'm giving them Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle from Alabama. And the reason... And what that, pick was this? I'm not sure where they're... I'm thinking they're going to trade out of, out of four, maybe, you know, to... Uh, to uh, six with the Chargers. Okay. If Miami trades up to three, yeah. Um, or maybe to a different team in the top ten. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna drop past ten, and I think they're gonna take Jedrick Wills from from Alabama. And I'm basing that in part on uh, the fact that they've got Burton Burns as their running back coach. He was a special assistant with Alabama last year, and I think uh, one of the things he was obviously an assistant for is running backs. He's now our running back coach. As a running back coach, the two things you watch are the running backs and the offensive line. And I think that they're going to feel really comfortable with an offensive lineman out of Alabama because he's there and he spent so much time with the kid. And so I think that, that that's the direction that they're going to go. Also, as I watch the tape, I think he's the best tackle in the draft. I think that, that he's better than Wirfs. I think he's better than Thomas. I think he's better than Becton. And so for me, I'm hoping Dave Gettleman... Uh, watches the same film I do, and I'm hoping that's the pick. And I'm going to say the Giants make the right decision and take him. So then you would you would go now. What happens if the Lions don't go traditional and take the corner at, at five? What if they take um, Tristan Wirfs? You would still be comfortable with 
leaving Akuda off the board, even if he's available at six there, and still take Willis? Yeah. From the Giants standpoint, I, I think Akuda and, and Wills are, are comparable players. I, I really think that they're both in that first tier. And for me, on this Giants team, getting somebody to block for Saquon and protect Daniel Jones is, is just the whole game. Yeah, three seconds every time he passes. It's just the whole game. If you're gonna if you're gonna develop those two players and that's the centerpiece of your team, you have to go out and get you have to go out and get a tackle. And and so so that's where I'm going. So here's here's how I have it. I've got Burrow, Young, Tua, Herbert. Excuse me. Herbert to who? Herbert to the Chargers at four. Then I've got, got, it, got it. Okuda. Got it. And Wills. Willis. Jedrick Wills. And then I have the Panthers sitting at seven. I have them going with Derek Brown. Really? And I've got Isaiah Simmons falling to the Jaguars at nine. So, got it. Okay. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting, honestly, if um, I, I agree with that. Now, I would agree with it's that specific order. It would be interesting if the Lions traded out again. Because I feel like then the Panthers would have, I mean, what a land for the Panthers. Right. They're getting a Cuda at seven. Yeah. Because Bradbury, they just lost him. You're getting a premier quarterback once again. I mean, this team like just lands premier corners one after another. It was to Norman, to Bradbury, now to Akuda. Um, but you're right. They just lost McCoy. So, or did they did they resign him? He he he, re-signed, he signed somewhere else, right? Uh, Gerald McCoy. Actually. Gerald McCoy signed with the Dolphins. That's right. So like, I mean, signed with the Cowboys. Yes. And not the Dolphins. So he's so they lost him on the line. Yeah. They, they need to replace him. So I feel like Derek Brown is probably more of a fit. Yeah. Than Akuda would be, but I feel like they have to take him their value. Like they they have to take best position available. The Panthers are going to be god awful this year, and that's us sitting in, in you know that's us sitting close to where the Panthers play. You got to assume that. They have to take the corner there if he's available, which would be interesting because then Derek Brown, who is thought to be a, a, a really good, you know, dual threat when it comes to the run on the pass, could easily slip down the Jaguars, who is their need is defensive line. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I somebody's gonna fall. It's either gonna be Brown or Simmons to the Jags. So I think the Jags are sitting in a good spot. I don't see the Lions. We'll moving. go with what you're saying. We'll I, go with because that makes yeah, more sense. I don't. I think the Lions aren't gonna. I think the Lions are gonna are gonna keep their eye on Akuda, and I think they're gonna yeah. take him. Um, I think they're gonna take him at at uh, five, and so I think it then falls, you know, to the Giants at at six to take the tackle. The Panthers at seven are going with Derek Brown, and I think Isaiah Simmons falls to the Jaguars at nine, and I think they're happy as as can. So who are, you t- who are the Cardinals taking today? Which, which offensive line do you think they're taking? Tristan Wirfs. I think they're taking Wirfs. And then... They're not going wide receiver. I, so so nope. I've, I've seen this rumored. I don't think so. Where, I mean, so what do you want? No, I get it. I get that... I get that Clint Kingsbury wants every wide receiver. I get it. But you have Hopkins. You have Christian Kirk. You have Larry Fitzgerald. They have enough. They got to protect. You want him. Jerry Judy too? No. And by the way, is I mean, it proven that Kyler Murray can throw down the damn field? I mean, do you want these guys? These, I know these guys throwing, they, they can run four forty, you know. But like, you got to block for that kid. Yeah, 
He's he was he's got enough weapons. You got he he's got enough weapons. You got to block for the kid. But it's I, so I I don't know if you saw I saw the rumor about Judy at eight. Now it's it's picking up steam because the Cardinals want to add. They think Fitzgerald's done after this year, which obviously I mean I think we all think that. So they want the whole Hopkins and Judy for the next five years, which is very salivating. Yes. But we've seen that by the way. We that's the Atlanta Falcons how how that works when you have two premier wide receivers, you know, the, and nothing else. The clincher for that in this draft though is you can get a wide receiver in the second or third round. You can get a yeah, premier wide receiver in the second or third round, so it's deep. So so when there's four tier one offensive tackles and you're sitting with the eighth pick and you've got and you, and you're not gonna get one of those guys in the second or third round, why are you taking a wide receiver here? Right. Doesn't make any sense. I agree with you. So I think the Cardinals go tackle. I think Simmons, as I said, falls to the Jaguars at nine. <laughs> the Browns at ten. I have taken another tackle. I have them taking Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, and that brings us to the Jets at eleven. So who are they taking, Jim? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so we've being that you have Andrew Thomas going ten. I, I've seen it go a few different ways about Andrew Thomas. Uh, I've seen the Browns going uh, trading back. I've seen the Browns going a wide receiver because obviously if they if they do that basically Odell Beckham's uh, the writing's on the wall for him at that point. You know I think the Vikings obviously have been heavily rumored um, to, to 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 get him in a second and a fifth. I think that's by the way I think that trade's gonna happen in draft day. Do you really? Yeah, and I think that happens. I think I think the Browns do select either a Judy or a um, a uh, a CD Lamb, and I think that's why the prop bet, which we'll get to in a moment, is very. Very steamy at this point when you look at wide receivers in the in the under, um, <clears throat> but we'll you know we'll get to that in a minute. So let's just we'll, we'll go with your scenario here. So if that's the case, I don't look that would be suck for a Jets fan I think because I think when when you look at the Jets, we signed a bunch of offensive linemen in the offseason. Very average offensive lineman, not a premier. Player. Well, we don't know what that guy from Seattle was. Fant is that his name? The yeah, left he's tackle. A project. We don't know what he's going to be. No, you don't. Uh, and and he is meant. I think he's going to fit well into um, into Gase's scheme because he likes that whole versatile, yeah. pull, pull to the right system. I think they do have some good players. I, look, I, all the guys we want on the offensive line, they got besides the guy out of Tennessee, which whatever. Um, I don't think they take Beckham. I don't think so. I think that I don't. I think Douglas needs to be careful with his first round pick here. The Jets fans have been screaming that we <laughs> we fuck this up all the time. <laughs> well, you know why? Because Jets fuck it up all the time. Well, usually. So the let me rephrase that. So people will be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yes, I get. In the past, players have fell into the lap of Mike McCagnan, even though Leonard Williams doesn't seem like he's panning out as a number three pick, even though. We don't know what Quinn Williams is going to do yet, even though, and I think Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, hasn't shown it yet. Offensive lines, shit, and just like you can't, I can't sit here and tell you, Daniel Jones is shit because he fumbled 19 times. It's not fair. He doesn't have an offensive line. <laughs> if any quarterback would fumble, Tom Brady's going to fumble 19 times and get sacked a thousand times. So, you know, let's see what the kid can do with five guys to block, right? That's yes. So, now we don't have wide receivers. That's what I'm saying. Our best wide receiver is Jay Crowder. Um, we lost Robbie Anderson. Uh, we don't have. We're gonna probably have to sign Demarius Thomas. How scary that sounds. Mm-hmm. There's nobody left. We're gonna go wide receiver with this pick. I sat here four, three, four weeks ago, screaming up and down that CD Lamb was the best player in the draft, best wide receiver in the draft. I may have changed my mind. Really? So here's my thing, right? 
I am a little nervous about his weight. I thought about it. I read some articles about it. I compared him to the top players in the league. DeAndre Hopkins looks like a small guy. He's not, right? He's six foot two three. Oh, DeAndre two, Hopkins, big dude. 230, 240. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Williams run around six foot two, one ninety. He is not fast. He does not have elite speed. He's fast, not elite. If he adds weight, he adds muscle. Let's just say he has to, right? He has to. He has to get up to 220, at least. What is his speed? 30 pounds of muscle, your speed's going to go down. So now you're thinking sudden, that, that, you, that the book isn't in on him yet because... I'm nervous about it. I, now, I've seen, I, I see what he, I've seen what he can do about jumping up over players. He has enough strength where he can push around future accountants. A cornerback. <laughs> but can he push around, you know, Stefan Gilmore? Can he push around when you look at the, the defensive backs in the AFC East, premier guys, top of the line guys, right? Probably number one, number two defensive players of the year last year. I think I am leaning towards and now there's rumors that Ruggs is gonna is like leading the pack here for the Jets. I don't know. I I, I again I haven't looked at Ruggs enough. Um, I think probably Jerry Judy's the pick here. Wow, okay. And I say that because of his speed. I, you can't replace speed. Speed's something you can't teach. Uh, he, all his weight's also a question mark, too, but his speed is just ungodly. And that's, I think, something we need. Somebody who can get open, somebody who is, a, is probably one of the best route runners. I was going to say, he's, he's probably more polished yeah. in terms of his route and I think running. it's honestly, if we're looking at utilizing Darno's um, contract, making sure we can get him a position where we're competing. Now, Tom Brady's out of the division, right? So it's wide open. I think Judy's going to have to be the pick here. And saying that, somebody who I think CeeDee Lamb is, is going to be a really good player, um, I think Judy's going to have to be the pick. I, I think so. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got CeeDee Lamb as the pick for the Jets. So we at least agree that it's going to be a receiver. Yeah. Um, and what's funny, I actually have three receivers back-to-back-to-back. To the Jets, the Raiders, and the 49ers. Um, so I think there's a there's a run on receivers kind of in the middle of the draft, which is actually a a good opportunity to talk about some of these props. So so tell us what props you're looking at and let's talk about that. So yeah, so I mean I think you have to look at um, I feel like looking at what I just said. The over 12 and a half on CD Lamb is something to think about. Having said that, because I feel like the 49ers, now I don't think the, I don't know if the Raiders would go Lamb right after Judy. Um, I don't know what the Raiders are going to do. And I don't, I feel like John Gruden doesn't love taking wide receivers early. I know, I know Keyshawn Johnson, I get it. But, that was also he was also on the team when on Tampa Bay when Gruden took over. He from what I've seen from when he was on the Raiders when he was on Tampa Bay, he likes more of a stronger, you know, down the middle short passes, move the chains offense for the Raiders and a strong defense. He he likes to know all the teams he's been on. I don't necessarily know if he goes wide receiver here with his pick. Now having said that, if you ask me, who does he go with? Well, being on the mock we just did, um, I don't know who we would go with. Well, like, there's C.J. Henderson, the, the there is. cornerback. There's there's a couple of 
defensive ends and pass rushers still on the board. Um, you can never have enough of those. I, I think there's also um, there's also the LSU Ch- uh, Chase on who I think is getting more steam. So honestly, one of the one of the ones. Yeah, we're on wide receivers right now. One of the ones I'll throw out at you is C.D. Lamb over twelve and a half plus one twenty five. Um, I'm taking that. I am taking. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling through some of the odds so I can give you up-to-date odds here. I am taking uh, under 11.5 Jerry Judy plus 110. <laughs> I think that he... If you he think he's the first wide receiver off I the board, obviously. He's the first wide receiver off the board. All right. Um, scrolling down... Well, I mean, you're, you're getting plus odds on both of those, so I understand why you're doing it that way. I will way. also go under... 13 and a half Henry Ruggs. Now, I will not be betting this because it's minus 130. I do think the 49ers take him at 13. Yeah, I do too. Um, because I think he fits. I think with Debo Samuel, they don't He want, fits great on that he team. He fits with the team. Yeah. He, he fits great on that team. Yeah. He, I mean, he's he's exactly what Garoppolo needs. Exactly. Right? He's, a, he's a, exactly what he's Garoppolo He's what they wanted out of Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's so I, young. Like, that, and that team, I mean, man. That team's almost like a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the thing. You've got Debo, Ruggs, and Garoppolo. Yeah. you got, look at that future. Plus the running back they got. I mean, that's your future, you know. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if we're going to stick on wide receivers, that's where I have it at my, my player props. Uh, you know, it, Depending on what you want to go to, we can go to quarterbacks. But I, you know, I don't know where you're at or wide receivers. But I feel like, I honestly feel like, now let me say this: I don't know if I would be betting that because I don't feel like there's enough juice there. Um, and you're really taking a gamble, saying C.D. Lamb is going to go over, right? Like I think, like I think there's such a coin flip here with Judy and Lamb. That's the hard part: is that you you've got the, the odds know. on them are like it's like eleven plus, you know, over eleven and a half. Under 11 and a half, and you don't know who's going to go first. And honestly, like coming from a betting mind perspective, so like Chris and I, I know we bet a lot. We bet a lot on, on football props and stuff like that. You're going to get more value finding guys closer towards like the end of the first and the second round guys because there's so much variance. Yeah. You you are betting you you have so much more value with the variance than you do saying. I don't think Aquid is going to go three. I think he's going to go five. Right. Like that's you're not getting any value. There. We talked about we talked about Fromm, right? Like yeah. Like there's a guy. What what is the prop on him? Sixty two and a half. Sixty one and a half right now. Sixty one and a half for Fromm. Yeah. Okay. Six, actually, it went down to sixty and a half. So sixty and it's a half. It's getting juiced. We think that's that's a solid under bet. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly what you were talking about. Like C D Lamb, he could go at eleven. He could go at twelve. He could go a little later, but. And so you're you're trying to thread a needle, but a guy like Fromm, we can say we definitely think he's going to be under sixty and a half by a pretty wide margin. So yeah, I would take that bet. I also like um, this is by the way this is a lock for me. Lock 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 this in over fifty seven and a half Jalen Hurts. There is no way I will bet. I'm putting a lot of money on this bet. The guy's wonder lick was the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> he's already not. Favored by a lot of the NFL teams with with some of the stuff they were looking at, I guess, with the combine and stuff. Over 57 and a half, minus 120. I'll pay the 20 cents. Lock. He is not getting drafted in the second round. Get the hell out of here with that. Wow. Um, what's the what's the line on DeAndre Smith? I remember taking the under on on whatever it was, but I can't remember what it was. 32 now. and a half. 32 and a half. So I think minus DeAndre, 120 each way. I think DeAndre Swift is going in the first round. So I I took the under on him. Okay. That's not. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, I think they're now look. I think if you want to 
get cute and you want to get some early sweat, uh, over two and a half of Chase Dunga plus 800 is not bad. Say that again? Over eight, over two and a half of Chase Dunga plus 800 is not bad. Just in case the Redskins take a quarterback? Yes, because that could be a good hedge on all your other picks. <laughs> um, I don't like that. because Or if they it's... trade out, by the way. If they trade out, because that could happen. That's true. Now, if they did, it'd be stupid because they'd lose Chase Dunga to the Lions anyway. It almost had to be the Lions turning up at that point. But, yeah, again, if you wanted to get cute... Um, I mean, I would not, not. I would not bet that head. I wouldn't bet a unit on it. I'd bet maybe a quarter of a unit or something like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would. I would do that. Now, I, let me just pull this up too. Jordan Love. By the way. Yeah. What's it? What, what's the prop on Love? Nineteen and a half. Nineteen so, and a half. I think that goes over. I don't think that Jordan Love will be selected in the first round. Um, I don't know. I mean, quarterbacks have a way of. Of getting selected before we think they should. True. And and there's so much buzz around around, you know, all these guys that it's it's really hard to know. Like a team like the Patriots, for example, nobody knows what the hell they're gonna do. Yeah. They've been mocked to so many different guys. I wouldn't be shocked no matter what they did. So if they came up for a guy like like Love, I wouldn't be like, Oh my god, I can't believe that that just happened. So I don't know. I mean Again, I think if you have to debate it this much, you should probably stay away from it. Is the lines like from and Swift where we're like, yeah, that's going to be an under that you should hit and hit hard? Oh, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's tough with quarterbacks, right? Like even Justin Herbert's over under is five and a half. I mean, the way we've been talking, you should slam the under. Yeah, you know, because I mean, and I did slam the under, you know. But again, to your point, the Chargers can throw a curveball, and, and and maybe they do believe in Tyrod Taylor, and uh, and uh, whoever they have as a backup, I forgot his name, but you know, maybe they do believe in that offensive system, and they're comfortable with having their spending more money in defense, and maybe they go defense the Chargers, right? Maybe yeah, they just go that route. Anything can happen, but when you're talking about about, it's been rumored that they're going to get that linebacker. Yeah, a lot of mocks. I, I just. I think you gotta at some point ignore all the smokescreen bullshit though. Yeah. And you have to think, two has been linked so heavily to the Dolphins, and Herbert's been linked so heavily to the Chargers, and quarterbacks go early, and that's probably just what's gonna happen. I don't know. That, that's how I feel about it, and that's why I I took those guys where I did. Um, Cause look, there's always risk. I mean, it's gambling, right? Now I will say too, um, you know, depending on how you feel about the Giants, right? You have the the, the offense-defense prop of the New York Giants, who will be the first player selected. Offense is at minus 260. Defense is plus 175. Um, minus 260 is horrible. If you <laughs> if, if you have a book that has prop uh, has uh, parlays, you could always parlay the minus 260 with another pick. I don't hate that. Um, I don't think, you know, now you have obviously a risk there, right? If Akuda falls to the Giants, what do they do in that situation? We've seen the Giants under Gettleman makes some unorthodox picks. I think there was a lot of thought that Darno would have been a giant uh, versus Saquon Barkley. You know, yeah, a I lot. Know, I mean, a lot of people. Thought I know that. Daniel Jones was a, was not a thought at all for a lot of Giants fans when they selected him last year. So um, he does draft in an unorthodox manner. So depending on that, you know, if you're a Giants fan, maybe you do look at the plus one seventy five on defense. 
uh, just because of that. Maybe like, because he, he figured, hey, look, I drafted a running back and a quarterback in the back-to-back drafts. Uh, maybe I go defense this time to, to flip it or to switch it up. So I don't hate the plus 175 on defense for the Giants. I will say leave the plus 400 defense of the Jets alone. I don't, I don't think they go defense. I don't think that would be moronic unless Chase somehow fell to them or they had like a, a premier. Pl- There's nobody that's available. There's no edge rushers available the Jets would take there. Um, so I, I think they're going to go wide receiver offensive line. I'd be shocked, shocked if they went defensive end or something like that. So I, I do think they go those two. So I would I would probably lean towards that Giants defensive bet. But again, I'm being cute with a lot of these picks, not being, not, um, you know, advocating for instance, like go crazy with anything. But let me, let me tell you the ones I'm, I'm advocating for and I, I really believe in. A.J. Appenza under 32 and a half. I'm betting that. C.J. Henderson, under 16 and a half. I'm betting that. Um, DeAndre Swift, under 32 and a half. I'm betting that. Derek Brown, under eight and a half. I'm betting that. Those are our four right there that, that I really, really think are going to pay off well. Talked about Jake Fromm. Under 60 and a half. I'm taking that. Um, Jalen Ragor, I've got over 32 and a half. Uh, I've got, uh, let's see here. I will say, um, I am, I'm going to put some money on Jake from third quarterback taken. Third quarterback taken, wow. I think that, I understand what is being floated, right? It's, I mean, you're getting plus 10,000. Yeah, yeah. So you like, throw, throw a little bit of money on it. You're going to have to, like, come on. Like, it's, it's to me, like, you throw 10 bucks on it, you're, 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 it pays for your draft. And, and, and it's, it's, not out of, it's not out of the realm of possibility. No. Julian Okwara, under 44 and a half. Kenneth Murray, under 21 and a half. Clavon Chasen, under 16 and a half. Mekhi Becton, yeah, over could, eight and a half. Yeah, you could have gotten better juice though. Minus two thirty is a little. Yeah, that is expensive. I do like uh, Chasen, the LSU edge rusher, under six and a half plus one ten. Yeah, I feel like as one of the premier edge rushers, and I mean I'm saying premier in quotes, but that to me, top fifteen for an edge, the top edge rusher, a no brainer. I'll take I'll I'll pay the one ten. I'll, I'll take the ten cents on that. Yeah, those are the those are the ones that I I really believe in and. Justin Jefferson, by the way. Yeah, he's 24 and a half. I don't, I don't yeah. know how I feel I about that. I don't know how to read that. I don't know how to read that either. I feel either. like he is a good player. Where do I have him mocked? Hold on, let me see. I have him mocked. Huh. I have him mocked at 25th to the, the Vikings. So a line like 24 and a half. You'd have to take the over. I have, But again, like 24 and a half. And, I, and, and, I, and without looking at what his, what his prop was in just the mock draft that I did, I have him at 25. That shows you it's just a bet that you want to stay away from. Um, so, so anyway, that's what we think in terms of of betting, bet heavy, bet recklessly, uh, because it's boring being in quarantine. So add a little excitement to your life. And I'll, um, I'll tell you not to drop, but I'll tell you that um, if you if you think that Jedrick Wills will be the first offensive lineman taken, you could also bet that at plus one forty. Really? So that's I didn't have, see that. They have Tristan Works at minus one one twenty five. They have 
Uh, huh. Dredrick rolls at plus 140. I am certainly going to bet that. Now, let's, let's listen to this. Makai Becton, plus 450. Andrew Thomas, plus 700. First offensive lineman taken. Now, you know, yeah, if the Giants selected uh, Wills, that makes sense. But if the Giants trade down, all of a sudden you're getting a lot of teams trading down. Not in the realm Andrew Thomas goes first as the first offensive lineman, plus 700. That's not bad. There's a lot of disagreement about who the best offensive lineman yeah. in this draft is. I think you it's. You get 7 to 1? I think it's Wills, but at plus 7. I don't know that I feel seven times more yeah. confident in that, right? No, that's true. But so, I mean, you know, just to, get, just to get some of that juice. Yeah, that. yeah, that's what I mean. I and mean, again, plus when, 700. To me, when, when, I'm betting, when I'm betting player props, I try not to give back a lot of money when I'm doing it. So I, don't, I tend not to. You could sit there and be cute and bet minus three thousands all day, but I like to see where the value's at. Um, I think a lot of pluses do hit on on the NFL draft because you're talking about, you know, Mel Kiper can only be so accurate, right? And a lot of times the sports books will just take a lot of the information they hear, sort of make make a make a best guess scenario, and that's why you're seeing a lot of like the sports book picks matching up to what they're seeing as far as mock drafts, and then basing around that. That's what you just said, right? I think Justin Jefferson will go to the Vikings. Why do you think that's it's it's twenty four and a half, right? Because it's like, is he going to the Vikings right. or not? Justin Jefferson could easily go fifteen. Yeah, he, well, you know, I don't think he's going fifteen, but, but he could, he could go earlier than that. If there's a wide receiver run, yeah, he could go. People could get and and, I, and the way I have it mocked, I have I have Lamb, Judy, and Rugs eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Right. So if somebody's in the market for a wide receiver, and, they're, they're and now like, you're, you're sweating, and there's the fourth one available, like you know, you know, that's right. And that could be a big drop off of Jefferson too. So yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a deep wide receiver draft, but there are really four that people have talked about as being the premium guys, and Jefferson is the fourth in that mix. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I could I could see somebody coming up for him. I could see somebody taking him who who was there and who just didn't want to lose out on on getting a wide receiver. Um, it's also interesting too, like third overall pick. You know, I know we're kind of getting into more uh, guessing games here, but Justin Herbert plus three seventy five. Again, we just told we talked about it earlier about the trade scenario. Yeah, Herbert's not bad plus three seventy five. Tua plus two fifty. I'm gonna lay off Tua a little bit. I think on my, on, I, I I was a little bit stronger. I do think the wonder look affects teams' thought process on quarterbacks. They still. I just reason. think Miami's too locked in, man. I do think so too. But if we're talking about teams trading up. In, uh, with the Giants or with the Lions, I think Herbert is probably this target over Tua at that scenario. I think people, I think teams are getting are falling more more in love with Justin Herbert. Having said that, um, I am falling in love with Fromm. I do think that based on what I saw at the combine, based on where the Wonderlic test score is, thirty five is special. That puts you in the same realm as Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I think that um, is people teams are going to look at that. You know, he was already – he was gaining steam already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm falling in love with him in terms of I want him to be my quarterback. I just think he's pick, he's, he's picking up raw. steam yeah. and, and right he, now in terms of where he's going to get drafted. And to be able to bet under 60-and-a-half on him at this point in the in the process, yeah. I think is a bet that you have to make. You have to. You have to make that bet. And especially, too, now, you, you see it, right? Teams are they're – surf, they ha- they're searching for the quarterback. Who's the quarterback of the future? We would never have thought of Justin Herbert getting drafted third overall, you know, a year ago, two years ago. You know, so we went, we thought two was a lock, right? Then Burrow comes out of nowhere. But teams are starving for good quarterbacks. Yeah. Today. Well, I mean, it's the one position on the field, obviously, that you can't win without. Yeah. Right? You don't have a quarterback, you're going to lose. That's the way it works. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, you could easily see. I mean, I think, I think, to me, Julian Love is the biggest. He has the widest range in this draft. I think so too. I, in terms of quarterbacks, I don't know where the fuck that guy's gonna go. If he went in the top fifteen picks, I wouldn't be stunned. If he dropped out of the first round completely, I wouldn't be stunned. He's like, on that. He's on that Geno Smith trajectory, and I know like. As a Jets fan, Geno Smith is basically we, we laugh, but Geno Smith was always mocked. If you remember, in the first round, mid mid to early to mid first round, he obviously slid to the second round. Love, I feel like, is on a trajectory. So, two weeks ago or a week ago, he was at twelve and a half over under. He's at nineteen and a half. A week yeah, ago. oh yeah, he's yeah he's dropping. Fourth throw is something. And I yeah, think he's, he's sliding way out. He's of sliding. And I, and I think he could slide at the first round because here's the thing: the, the the scouting report on him and the draft profile on him says that he can make the throws, but the problem is he gets locked on his first read and he never goes through his progression. That's death in the NFL. Yeah. Like if you're gonna have a problem in the NFL, the two problems you can't have are gets locked on their first read and never gets off it, and inaccurate. Right. If you don't have a big arm. That can be compensated for. Oh yeah, right. You don't need to have. Usually, those are guys that bust. Yeah, you don't need to have a cannon. Yeah. If you don't have the ideal height and the ideal hand size, you look at a guy like Russell Wilson and you're like, now you can you can compensate for that, right? But if you're inaccurate or or you are a one read guy and you just get locked on your first read and you can't go through a progression, that is the kiss of death for quarterbacks. So his problem is the one negative that he has is something that, like, you can't fix. No. You can't fix it. No, you can't. So I don't know. I mean, th- that's why. But, again, when you just watch him make the throws, like at, the, like at the, the combine, the underwear Olympics, as Dave Gettleman likes to say, yeah. he looks great. Oh, yeah. He looks great. But everybody looks great throwing a wide open receiver. That's yeah, well, that's also true. Yeah. That's also true. Um, all right, anything else on the draft you want to talk about? No, I think, <clears throat> to your point, you know, I think uh, it'll be interesting how it plays out. I think um, whether or not this is going to work could be potentially how it works in the future for other leagues. I think other leagues are going to take a look at this when you talk about the NBA draft, when you talk about the NHL draft. Um, you know, and I think also this is going to be really good for like a ratings boom. For, for the NFL. I mean, this is what the UFC wanted, right? They know there's a lot of people out there who are starved to watch anything sports related. I think the women's draft that happened yesterday got really good ratings. Uh, again, it's just, it, it, people talked about it from a betting perspective. So, you know, I listened to a couple of betting podcasts, watched some betting sites. A lot of people were, were recommending WNBA. It would never have happened last year or, or, you know, years beyond. And now it's happening because, again, People are going to bet on the Bundesliga, soccer, German soccer league. Well, they just want so they need their star. There's a lot of degenerate gamblers like you out there who are going to bet on Mexican soccer and, oh, yeah. and Indian cricket and the rest of this shit because you are starved and you're getting twitchy exactly. with your with your degenerate addictions. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about on the drive, I like how I just say degenerate addictions and you in the same sentence and you're just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the, the last thing I want to talk about on the draft is I do want to run down the picks for the AFC East and the NFC East for the other teams in the, in the league. The Dolphins at 18. I got mocked Austin Jackson, offensive tackle, USC. The Patriots at 23. 
this is a bit of a wild card, but again, it's going to show you how much I think he's gaming, gaming, gaining speed and how much I think that 60 and a half is crazy. I got the Pats in their first round draft pick taking Jake from. So, um, yeah, I I'm going out that. on a limb there. Uh, in the NFC East, the Bills, the Bills, by the way, don't have a first round pick. Their first pick comes in the second round. Yep. In the NFC East, we got the Redskins at two, Chase Young. We've talked about the Giants. I've got Jedrick Wills going to them. The Cowboys at 17. I have taking Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, South Carolina. And finally, the Eagles at 21. I have them kind of stealing, which, which makes me sad. Uh, Xavier McKinney, safety, Alabama. I think he's a, he's a good player. Certainly think he's the best safety in this draft. And for him to be sitting there at 21, I think is, a, is, a, is a, a happy day for the Eagles, unfortunately. It's funny to say that. So I have McKinney going to the Cowboys. I think mm. that there's been so much talk about Jamal Adams to the Cowboys that everybody knows that's their weakness. They need safety. They need safety help. They need back end of the, of the uh, defensive backs help. I think Xavier McKinney would... It's going to be interesting. You know, Cowboys like to make a splash usually in the first round, but I think they just realize that they have a need here. Now, it will also be interesting if the Cowboys trade up for an offensive lineman. Um, I think what they just had somebody retire, I feel, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Frederick, yeah. the, the center, retired. So they're, they're, Travis Frederick. They're realizing they're going to have some weaknesses here yeah. on their offensive line. It'll be interesting how they address that in the draft. Um, I would assume they go if they're going to go center, they would go to later rounds anyway. But I could see them you know, trading up. I have the Eagles trading up. I think the Eagles trade up for either. Uh, so I had Ruggs going to the 49ers. I could see the Eagles trading up for a wide receiver. I could see them either getting CeeDee Lamb or Ruggs or even Judy, depending on how far they want to trade up. Eagles have a, a special need. They know that they're now they have they need a defensive back like it's going out of style for them. But they understand. Well, they just traded for Sly. Yeah. So but we'll see how they filled part of that. But they need a wide receiver too. They it was a joke last year. What they throw it on the field? And I get some of that was injury, but it, you know if you don't have, they only had like um, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun <laughs> Deshaun yeah. Jackson. So like they right? need somebody. They need a target for Wentz. They gave Wentz all this money. Yeah, they need a target. But I, again, it's a deep draft. The, the, I I had I was thought about a receiver here, but I also had. I also had the top three receivers off the board, and I figured since it's a deep draft, they don't reach for one. They take the best available player, which at this point is McKinney, and they come back later in the second round for a receiver. So that's what I think they're going to do. Um, interesting that you think he won't be there, that he's going to be gone with a Dallas pick at 17, which I could equally – well, not equally. I think, he's gonna, I think they're going to go defensive line. But I could see that happening. And what sucks about that is no matter what – the Giants are going to see him twice a year for the next however long. Just like because we won one extra fucking game this year, we're going to see Chase Young for the next decade in a Redskins uniform. And uh, that's why another reason why I think we need to get an offensive tackle because, uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we got to get somebody who can block that guy. I think you mentioned it. Do you, do you think running back goes in the first round? Yeah, DeAndre Swift. I've got him at – Because um, that that's on the ledge too. Though. I got him 26 to the Dolphins. Okay. Because it's been rumored that maybe he goes in the second round of the Dolphins. Yeah, I can. I mean, I, I think he's a first round pick to the Dolphins at twenty six. But I, I mean, again, you know, that's why it's it's gambling. I wouldn't be stunned if he fell out of fell out into the second round. But I just, I think that he's good enough that he's a first round talent. I think somebody's going to take him there. Yeah, that's true. 
So we're going to go ahead and, and take a break, and we will be back in just a minute. All right, so welcome back. Uh, we talked about the NFL draft. We're going on to what I'm going to put in quotes here is the NBA, because um, it's not really the NBA. But did you see the NBA horse tournament? Did you watch any I of it? I watched a little bit of it. I think it was a little bit of a joke, but... You didn't like it? I mean... It was fun for what it was, but it's not. It didn't really. It didn't really satisfy the my taste buds of sports. That's right? exactly like, right. It was just like it was a fun <laughs> event that was. You could probably. It would probably be like a leave it on in the background sort of uh, all star game type of event, but I need competitive sports. Yeah. That was not competitive. <laughs> I mean, when Mike Conley's in a high school gym or wherever he was. Like, and he's the only guy and he's inside. He's the only one inside. It's like, all right, there's something wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> People are like shooting in the rain. Yeah. Like, Zach Levine was in, like outside in the rain trying to match Conley. It was like, this is stupid. Yeah. It was it was a good effort, and we appreciate it because we are desperate for sports. But I don't know anybody who really got into it or who who really liked it. And I, I'm a Chauncey Billups fan. So to see him yeah. compete, that was cool. Paul Pierce, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, they had great people. And speaking yeah. of which, the thing I was was most impressed with was how interesting and, and engaging the women were uh-huh. who participated. Tamika Catchings and Allie Quigley, yeah. I thought they were the stars of the show. I agree. I enjoyed watching them probably as much as or more than than the men, especially Allie Quigley. She's, she is just great. I mean, uh, Catchings is, has been retired for a couple of years now, so that's like watching Pierce or, or Billups come back, which is cool. Yeah. But it's also cool when it's current, you know, current players. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and she's the best three-point shooter in that league. And it was really uh, – I enjoyed watching the women – Compete more than I thought I I would. See if I, if I could do an event, it would be like Reggie Miller versus Cheryl Miller, or well, I don't know what was her last in name. shooting or in one or three in point one contest. Three point contest. Like that stuff would be cool. Like I I agree with you. I think the women were great. I thought catchings playing like freezing cold weather obviously was to her detriment. Yes, and and the, she's on like a backyard court. Her house is in the way. Yeah, exactly. They're like you got to shoot a three pointer, and she's like I can't. My house is in the way. That's the fun part though. Like, Mike Conley in a gym is bullshit. <laughs> that is bullshit. That's not fun to watch. No. Who wants to see a guy in the gym shooting threes? Like, I, nobody cares. I want to see guys, like, in the elements. They should have, like, it should be like Survivor. <laughs> Put him out on an island and have him shoot threes and, like... Put him on an island, shoot some pellets at them. Yeah. Fucking make it work that's here. Right. Well, that's, that's, that is, that is uh, exciting reality television. That is exciting reality television. <laughs> like, shoot off, shoot off the roof of your house. Like, that's, that's what I thought we were going to see, not like, hey, let's see if I can... Fired from the second row of the gym. It's like, what are they supposed to do that at their house? Like, how do they match? I, I, that's what I mean. <laughs> Tamika's house was in the way. Like, yeah. he's got like a full-on gym. He's, he's doing half court shot. Yeah, can't half, do that. There's no half court. It's our house in the way. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a little ridiculous, but but it was still. I mean, it, it was still kind of fun. I mean, I I didn't. I like horse. I, I didn't used to hate play it as a kid. Like that's cool. I lost a little respect for for Zach Levine when he was going up against Allie Quigley, and and he winds up beating her on a. Uh, you know, you can't dunk in the thing, right? And that's yeah. a rule that the spirit of that rule is, you know, because obviously the women, you know, aren't going to do 360 dunk. Right. And so instead of dunking, which he can't do because of the rules, when he goes up against Allie Quigley, he throws it up off the backboard, 
catches it, goes between his legs and does a layup. Yeah. And I'm like, it's the same principle. They can't jump that high. I this know. is bullshit. Like, if you want to beat her, like, take it out past the three-point line and let's see you match up, Levine. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like that. And I always thought, honestly, I think no layups is a good rule, too, because I always thought horse was always, like, the trick shot. Yeah. It's not a trick shot if you're laying up. Like, well, I guess you'd say I threw it off the backboard and went between my legs. That's what made it a trick shot. Yeah, but that's not... It's For me, like... I'm not trying to be some horse purist or anything. Like, <laughs> to the me, extent there is such a thing. We don't like Zach Levine. We don't like how you played horse. Yeah. And and we are horse purists on this podcast. And we don't like what you did. Take it back. But I've always felt like horse was, you know, it's it's at least a mid-court shot. It's like... <laughs> in difficulty. Yeah. Like you have like a broom in front of your face. Yeah. You have to throw it over that. You, or you bounce you it, it off the car. Behind something your behind your head. head. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Not like, oh, let me do it behind my legs or behind my back and through the legs. It's and... not a slam dunk contest. No, that it's you. Stupid. It's not a slam dunk contest that you've made into a layup yeah. because you can't dunk. That's bullshit. That is. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree with you. So, yeah, to your point, entertaining, good for a day, great, but... Uh, nothing that I would write home about. I would ra- I would much rather see, you know, a uh, a three on three competition, which I know they want they want to do, but like almost, maybe like a three point contest with like the best three point shooters in the league, or at least admirable three point shooters. And you could even bracket like Reggie Miller, for instance, Paul Pierce, bring him back. Yeah. And just have them do like around the three, you know, ra- around the court. Um, who gives a shit? It's at their house, whatever. Well, like, see how much that how much they can drain. That'd be cool. Just like yeah. I don't know, but to me, this was all right. It was, was just, just okay. Like, all right. But if you're gonna do a three point contest NBA, put put uh, Allie Quigley in it because yeah, yeah, she was no, great I, and, we, and we liked her. 100. Um, speaking of <laughs> NBA, which I can't believe that we're actually talking about on this podcast, um, the Liberty today added, which I guess is in New York sports news, Sabrina Ionescu who is supposed to be this, like, wonderful, great thing in the WNBA. Yeah. And I, I'd obviously never heard of her before because I don't watch the WNBA. I don't know anything about women's basketball. But I did see uh, one funny comment, which somebody said that she's so good, she should actually sign a two-way contract between the, with the Liberty and the Nets. Yeah. And she should play next to, next to Kyrie. So, I don't know. Maybe that'll happen. Well, I, well I, what was... No, I'm going to forget her name now. The, the, chick, the, the woman out of Baylor... The center. Remember that story? No. Hold on. Now, uh, let me look this up. Now, having said that, apparently Anasuka is actually really good. She's like a prodigy. She's a prodigy point guard. I. Yeah, but so is Diana Taurasi. I mean, is she better than her? I, from what I hear. I mean, really? Yeah. Uh, hold on. All right. Well, we'll have to see what she becomes. I mean, I'm definitely not going to start watching WNBA games now. This is the most that... We've we've talked about that in our in our lives, um, but I'm on this. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus! You're looking Brian, this was up. It Brian's, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, Brit, was it Brittany Griner? Brittany Griner? No, I don't even know who that so is. So anyway, so it could have been Brittany Griner. No, I think it was like Brian's or something like that. Anyways, there was a woman who had tried out for the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Just um, she didn't make it. She didn't make it. Okay. But it was as absurd. As um, thinking that she could be the next Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Stop it. And that's why I'm trying to find the story. Oh, God. But, so when I hear about, um, you know, all of this, like, 
and I don't want to get into this because I don't know who's our li- who our listeners are or like that or anything like that. But I don't care who our listeners are. Let's yes, say offensive it, stuff. It was Brittany Griner. Brittany so Griner. She's six foot eight. Um, she was, you know, three time All American, Big Twelve Player of the Year. She, Mark Cuban came out and said basically that he would have thought about taking her in the second round of the NBA draft. Really? That's how good they thought she was. Wow. I thought she had tried out for the Mavericks, so I'm going to say maybe she didn't. But I know that uh, at least he thought about drafting her. Wow. So, yeah, so that's – but, again. Didn't work. It wouldn't have worked. It's, it's going back – and it goes back to the NFL. Can there be a female kicker? Probably. Absolutely. Will it happen? No. Because they don't want... I think it'll happen. I don't think so. Eventually. No, I think there's too much... There's too much risk of the locker room antics. I, I feel like that's a big play there. I don't think it's going to happen for a while. I think I think things are going to be... It took, so, it took so long to get an NFL female coach. You know, now, like, that was a big breakthrough. I just think that... We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. I think it's going back. Look, Becky Becky Hammond's probably going to coach an NBA team before that happens, before a woman plays professional football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, she's already set up to do that anyway. Yeah, I mean, but I still think that at some point soon, we're whoa, we're going to see that happen, and uh, I do think it will be at the kicker position because obviously, you're not going to have. One of the one of the women playing linebacker. That's not going to work. Yeah. No, um, it has to be kicker. Has to be kicker. Uh, that's just that's just uh, that's just biology. Folks. Yeah, you're not going to see. I don't think you, you you know unless she's is like LeBron of the WNBA. I don't think you're going to see a female in the NBA. No. Nope. Um, you know you brought up you brought up Cuban. He he also came out. I think it was today and said he thinks he that there's an NBA season of some kind to be had without fans and that he thought that that you know come june come july you know there was at least going to be some type of nba thing he actually said it was a moral imperative to get back to sports as quickly as possible and so while they weren't going to do it with fans um you know he at least thinks there's going to be there's going to be a part of an nba season i don't know if i see that you well, know, I mean, he was part of the roundtable with Trump, so I mean, that they probably got. I would assume that conversation was basically, "When are you guys opening up?" or at least have some plans to open up. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, have some plans to open up, but here's the thing: like with baseball, the baseball season runs through October, right? So you're talking about we've got six months left in which to have a season. The NBA season is supposed to be over in what like eight weeks so to me that's easy enough to to say okay we're just gonna pack it up this year right like like we're we're eight weeks away we're just gonna pack it up and so i i guess i just assumed that the first sport to come back would be baseball um you know they're talking about this whole arizona plan which i looked at today basically it's sequestering all of the teams in arizona and playing games Florida apparently now. Florida too. No, no, they they there was an Arizona Florida plan and then they've morphed it into just Arizona. Oh, cuz I thought Florida was on the table with them opening up the state again to sports. That wasn't what they said today. Is that they is that they were looking at just sequestering everybody in Arizona and putting people up in hotels and there are 10 minor league baseball 
stadiums or fields out there in Arizona and one Major League Baseball stadium, and that's where they were going to have the games, absent fans. But here's the really crazy part. Apparently, they're talking about making the players, instead of sitting in the dugouts, sit in the stands where the fans are supposed to be more than six feet apart. Yeah. That, to me, is idiotic. That's ridiculous. Especially if they're being tested every day. They're being tested every day. And if you're going, like, the whole point of quarantining them is and testing them all the time is that you know that they right. don't have it. If you're bringing, if you're putting them into a hotel in the middle of the right. desert with just each other, how the fuck you? What, how are you going to get coronavirus? I, I don't know. Like, and I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's not, it doesn't spread like. And what are you going to do? Drive 20, 26 different different cars to the? I guess they all drive their own car. They're never going to come. They can't be on a bus. Into contact. What if there's a? But but here's why that's the most ridiculous thing. You're gonna have them sit more than six feet apart in the stands, right? Yeah. Okay. But then the batter and the catcher are gonna be right next to each other. And if you get a base hit, you're gonna be right next to the first baseman. And if you steal and slide into second, you're gonna be right next to the second baseman. So my point with all this, how many collisions are there gonna be? So my point is during aspects of the game, like even when the outfielders come together. All of these guys during the game are going to be within six feet of each other. So what then is the point of making them go back to their seats, awaiting the next inning, and sitting them in the crowd six feet apart? I that agree. to me makes absolutely no fucking sense. I can't possibly understand. I agree it. with you, Chris. It makes no sense. I think I think there is a, I think the thought process is that their family will be there too. So will they have complete? Authority of, on who on how to limit family from coming in and out. Now you have to remember, like they want to do this for five months, so that's why Mike Trout was like, Mike Trout came out and it's like, I'm not doing that. Are you crazy? I'm not doing this shit. And you're gonna tell, like Garrett Cole, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, right, Mookie Betts. You're gonna tell these guys, hey, guess what? We're gonna play in Arizona. We're gonna put you in like the Radisson. For five months, you're not going to see your family. You can, but then they have to come out and be with you for five months. Then they have to live in a hotel room. Are you good with it? They make three hundred million dollars a year, or three hundred million dollars total. They're not going to. They're not good with it. No, they wouldn't be. So you're going to lose all your star players. There's no fucking way Mike Trout's doing this. No way Mookie Betts is doing it. You're going to get like your your eighteen year old double A guy that's going to fill in. Injuries are going to happen. People are going to get, they're going to say, like, oh, I'm injured. It's going to be like going into the military. Nobody's going to want to do it. I can't see this getting off the ground. And, and by the way, so what happens if somebody gets injured? What happens if a, a, a line drive hits off the pitcher's head? Now he's going to have to take a hospital bed. Yeah, now, you, now you're like, we're going to the hospital. And then well, yeah. I, I guess he can't come back. He can't That's come what back. happens. He can't come he's, back. He's now exposed to the outside elements. And what about the coaches? These 65, 70-year-old yeah. co- coaches, are they also going to be... In the stands, how do they coach the team? I think people are getting way too creative with this shit. It's like the UFC with the island. Oh, I like the the idea of Fight Island. I do too, but it's just way too creative for what's going on. Like, you're going to have the same guys fight each other? You're going to have 150 people on the same island? Like, how, like, it's, it's, there are people are thinking about, like, well, he's good, so he'll always be good. But that's not how this is working, like, right now. Like, it feels like people can just get it. You don't know. They can be asystematic, they can just have it. So if they are... Well, I assume you're going to test everybody before you bring them to Fight Island. Yes. I mean, see, the UFC, the UFC makes more sense to me than baseball. And, and, and I guess the simplest reason why is because you can't play baseball 
without 26 guys on each team, right? So you At need least. 52 people, plus you need umpires and coaches, and you're talking about... You're going to need about, also backups, too. Like they're going to have to have like almost like a theater event. You're, like, you're, talking about, you're talking about hundreds of people. Yeah, at least right? 500. Right? You're talking to play baseball games. With UFC, it's two guys in a ring with a referee. That's three. They're corner guys. That's six. And then you need, like, Dana White and a couple of camera guys. So you can do a UFC fight with eight people, ten people. 12 people. And so the UFC makes more sense to me, especially in an island scenario. And if you test everybody before they go, and then you bring them to this island, and you set them up, and you just have the two guys fight with their with their corners, and you, and you televise it. The one way I think the UFC doesn't make sense in terms of Fight Island is let's say you're on Fight Island, and like you said with baseball... One of these guys gets gets knocked out and and or seriously hurt and needs to go to the hospital. Are they going to have a full hospital, quarantine hospital on I Fight Island? Up and nobody has a like nobody like. Oh, What's the answer to that? No, it's, nobody has an answer. It's people don't think about the injuries. Like, it, I mean, UFC is kind of a sport where you have to think about the injuries, right? Like, yeah. Like it's not. I mean, it's it's a sport where people get hurt, people get knocked out. Like like if there's no hospital on Fight Island. I'm not sure you can have a UFC fight somewhere there's not. My a assumption is the fight island is somewhere like either it's either in the Caribbean, which you can't do now because Jamaica, Bermuda, they're all getting it now, or it's in like the Marshall Islands, which is like New Zealand and shit. So like, do oh, no, they were talking about they were talking about like Dana buying like buying one or renting it out. That's what I mean. Like, because when you look at the small islands, it's it's got to be one of that. It's got to be like either in the Caribbean, nobody's thinking about it, or it's got to be like in Asia or like near Australia. Where it's just a small island. Yeah, but there I'm saying facilities, but, but there's but there's there's hospital facilities that can treat that can treat. If he can rent out the island, to me, any island that that they can rent out is too doesn't have a hospital on it. It's too yeah. small to have a fucking it's hospital. Cut on. It's gonna be cutmen, which is, I don't know how they do that, but yeah, just corner corner doctors. Yeah. That's who it is. Yeah. What if the guy needs surgery? You got to put him on a plane. Yeah, which I know. Got to fly fly to Australia. Fly him fly him to Australia. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like... Or you just bring one of those doctors about blow these guys in and, and do that. Like, or maybe, or maybe. I mean, if you're really thinking about it, I mean, you don't have to set up like a full hospital. Maybe you set up, you know, two rooms like with, with doctors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, really. I mean, like what they do in the military. You know, like when you go into battle, you can't have a hospital with you, right? But there's still medics and shit that can stabilize people. So maybe, that, maybe that's what they do. But to me, at least that kind of plan... The UFC seems more feasible than than baseball in Arizona. That UFC card is juicy. It's juicy. <laughs> Jim, okay, let's just talk about how quickly Jim just moved on from what happens well, when one of these guys get like, knocked shit. knocked out. To let me see how I can make money betting on this juicy UFC oh, fight. I, I mean, this card. If they give this away, one of the aren't they? They're plotting for this, May eighth. May 9th. May 9th. I haven't seen the card yet. I mean, I know that, that Ferguson and, and uh, Justin Gaither are leading it off, but I haven't seen the rest well, of the card. Well, let me card. just tell you that Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis is on the undercard. Wow. That's how juiced this fight card is. When you say the undercard, that's like on the like on the 8 o'clock like, card? Yeah, it would be like that uh, ESPN Plus or something. Stop. Yeah. That's how crazy. They have they bring back Dominic Cruz to verse Henry Cejudo. Like, are you kidding? Wow. It's like the who's who. 
They have Amanda Nunez versus Felicia Spencer because uh, Rose dropped out, so they have to have that fight again for the championship. Ferguson versus Justin Uriah. Um, Francis, yeah, well, that one is obvious. Francis Nagani was on the card versus somebody who I, I can't pronounce. <laughs> Rosenstruck. I don't know. I've actually never heard of Jeremy that. Jeremy Stevens is fighting. Greg Hardy is fighting. Oh, Jakari, wow. Jakari Suda's fi- uh, fighting Uriah Hall. Or, uh, yeah. Esparza uh, is fighting. Like, this is a uh, Fabricio Verdum is fighting. This is a very juiced card. Well, that's great because it'll give us something to watch. I mean, and, yeah, top and to it, bottom. And again, I think that I think that if a sport is going to come back first, I think the UFC is not a bad sport to come back first. Like, there's always going to be risks in this environment when you're bringing when you're bringing a sport or sports back. But to me, UFC has the has the least amount of risk. Well, they do. I mean, look look at uh, WWE for instance, right? Like WrestleMania is getting insane ratings, even for replays on ESPN. They just had WrestleMania Live, which got... You don't know what the ratings are, it's on the network, but you'd assume it's pretty good. Um, but they have the same regulations the UFC has, right? They're not using the judges, they're not using the uh, athletic commissions, but... Yeah, but it's, it's they're a still similar... They're in states that are allowing it. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, a similar kind of experience. Yeah, they can do it without fans, it's not really impacting, and you hear more of the shit. Yeah. So I think for, like, UFC, when you hear, like, the bone-crunching hits to the face and hits to the bodies, like, that's... That is... Um, enticing for fans like i think that like you're watching ufc because you are your mindset is like the whole roman era right like the coliseum you want to see guys beat the shit out of each other like that is entertaining so now i hear more of it without fans like that is even more entertaining for me it might it might be entertaining to to more entertaining to watch on tv yeah that way because again like it's not a sport i really think about the fans affecting in in the way that baseball I mean, yeah, there's Baseball fans, and you hear them cheer. Fans, I think, really? I mean, I feel like, like to me, fans affect a football game. Fans affect a, bit, a basketball game. Fans, to me, don't affect a baseball game in the same way. Maybe not. Maybe maybe the you're right. Overall, no. But if there is, like, a huge moment, two outs. Yeah. Bottom of the night. You're going <laughs> to hear a pin drop. Like, and yeah, like, somebody, hit, somebody hits a walk-off, and it's just, like, dead quiet. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Right? That's 100%. Usually, like the, the moments you love. Yeah, that's right. Are that's true. The no hitter. What happens if there's no hitter? Hey, yeah, good job. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> they gotta pump in the noise. Yeah, exactly. You, you, yeah. you pump it in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, selfishly, I wanna see baseball come back because, again, it'll, it'll give us all something to do and, and talk about, it, and I'm sort of tired of this drought. And, and selfishly, I wanna say to guys like, you know, Trout. You, well, first of all, let me let me say it this way. I don't think baseball should come back and and do it for like anything close to a full season. I mean, they can't. I mean, the season would have started by now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I get when you say, "Look, you can't lock these guys away for for five six months." Fully understand that, but that's not what I'm talking about. To be clear, I'm talking about. And I think they're talking about, you know, two to three months plus a playoff, and that I think becomes more feasible. Like I. I Think there's still all the problems that we have talked about already, and and I still think that the players wouldn't love it, but I but hopefully there's a way that they can at least make that kind of work. Maybe it's just it's hard to fathom. I know it is because hard to it's fathom. like you're gonna have. I mean, does people really want to see? I think at this point, people, I think at this point people want to see fucking. I anything. think so too, but like when it's here's the deal, right? The first week, hundred percent. Yeah. The third week, 
when you're watching the Reds versus the Brewers in an empty stadium and it's, it means nothing, like, because they're both, like, one and five. Like, <laughs> And that's the only game on because the way this is working. Like, right. Is that, the one, is that what you want to see on TV? Like, I don't know. Is that more entertaining than watching Netflix and watching a movie on there or watching like you know a, like I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I think it's it's going to depend on on what conditions they have the game in, how competitive you think it's going to be, injuries, who who participates is going to be huge. At some point, though, as a country, the Yankees we're... might lose half their team. Because I, these guys make so much money. I know. At some point, though, as a country and as a as a sports universe, we're just gonna have to make a decision about whether do, we're doing this or not, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, they can't keep like throwing you, the carrot. You can't keep being like, look, we're gonna try for this day, we're gonna try for that yeah. day, we're gonna try for the next day. And to me, the line in the sand becomes when football season starts. I personally like this is a football country first and foremost. If September, if the first weekend of September rolls around and there's not football, people are gonna lose their fucking mind. And, and I think that's really where the rubber's going to hit the road in terms of how much are people going to accept in terms of this, this lockdown and in terms of no sports. At some point, I mean, look, we all agree that if they tried to keep the country and the sports and everything locked down for five years, there'd be fucking riots, right? I think we all agree about that. Do you agree five with that? Five years, 100%. There'd be riots, right? Like, there's just not going to happen. No, so, you can't. You can't possibly. 30% of the country would just, yeah. And you know that you can do it for 30 days. So my point is somewhere between 30 days and five years, the public hits a breaking point with all this shit. And they say, look, we're just not going to tolerate these restrictions anymore. We're, we're all just going to have to live our lives and let the chips fall where they, where they may. And, and to me, one of those points, one of those decision points is when the NFL season starts, because I think that as, as much as it hurt to have baseball season delayed and have, and have the NBA season canceled, I think it was all so new at that point in terms of this this virus that people are still in like survival mode and like yeah, yeah we have to do this, but we we locked down March fifteenth so the NFL September the first week of September is five months from the first lockdown the first real lockdown order or at least for us if five months if we're five months into this and you're canceling football I think that's where the rubber hits the road in terms of people being like, if it's going to happen, people being like, look, we're just not going to accept this anymore. Like, fuck it. Just do what you got to do. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, like, you're talking about... So, from a vaccine perspective, which, again, we're talking about April, right? So, a vaccine perspective, we're still 18 months out, potentially even longer. They don't. They still don't have, like, a, a vaccine for SARS, right? So, we don't even know if, that, if there's ever going to be a vaccine for this thing. Even if there is, you're talking about... You know, a year, year and a half. So well, I don't you can never have fans in the stadium no matter what. No, I don't think that's true because I don't think you have to get to a vaccine point. I think what you have to get to is – No, no, not even that. I think you have to get a drug that that maybe doesn't cure you. You'll still get really sick but it keeps you from dying. Yeah, it's almost like thermoflu or tamiflu, whatever it's called. Yeah, like if you can just get a drug that, that doesn't – like you're still going to be really sick. You may even need to be hospitalized but you're not going to die. It's going to take the edge off enough to keep you alive. Like, then I think the world goes back to normal. The problem is, though, even in that scenario, they can't pack 65,000 to a stadium. Why? If there's drugs, if there's because drugs, you then, can take them. And then what happens if, you know, 40,000 gets sick and have to pack a hospital? Oh, no, but, that's but what I mean, if 40,000 like, gets sick, only, only, they're that's tr- the thing. They're Did, trying to do this now because they don't want hospitals to be overburdened. I get that, but I'm saying the percentage of people 
who are hospitalized from the disease is something like 5%, right? So, like, if you have 40,000, first of all, if you have 60,000 people in a stadium, 40,000 people aren't going to get it. No. At worst, you're talking about, like, 5,000 people getting it, right? Okay, so 5,000 people get it. You're talking about a hospitalization rate of under 5%. So you're talking about, you know, a couple thousand people being hospitalized. Okay, that's bad. At the same time. That's bad. Yeah. That's really bad. But, I mean... Again, like, I don't know. I mean, you'd need multiple instances of those in order to overwhelm, you know, a system. And if we have drugs that'll keep you, you know, we're talking about a 5% hospitalization rate now. We don't have any drugs. If you have drugs that'll keep you from getting too sick, I think life can kind of get back to normal. I agree with you. Or maybe I'm just wishful thinking. No, no, I think, well, no, it has to, I think, at this point. You're right. Well, first of all, I mean, we're talking about, you know, this is mid-April, um, I would think by at least June, it has to be June no matter what anyway, but you would think June would be openings of the economy. You're going to see places start to open, restaurants start to open, you know, hopefully business goes back to normal eventually during the year. The, The sports, I think, can be done in... I don't think you're going to... So here's what's happening in, in China, if that's if you want to use them as an example. But China is, is opening up restaurants. They're doing these slow openings in Wuhan, whatever. They're not getting people. People are just saying, not going, don't care. Really? So their restaurants are still struggling. They can't get people into the restaurants. They can't get people into events. They can't get people into theaters. Um, I think this will have a residual effect even when it's... We have a drug... Even when things are open, you're going to see the same people who are going out there and basically saying open up the economies is bullshit. You're going to see them in a stadium. I, I, I 100% agree. Will you see your normal 75,000 stadium? Not for a while. It's going to take years. It's a mindset thing now. People won't trust people. It's, you're not going to trust anybody. You're going to, people are going to be wearing masks. It's people are going to be, not going to shake hands. It's it's going to like you're going to want to stay far from everybody. Like even when, it, it's just the idea that they could be carrying something I don't want in my body, right? Like, so that's, people are gonna have that in their mind. The only way this, to, to your point, the only way this happens to to go away in people's minds, there's two two ways this happens. One, it's proven you can't get it again. Mm. So there's something, uh, today is, you know, April 18th, I think, there was an article about people getting it again in the Second Korea. time, yeah. Uh, I think it's like, what, five, 10% of people getting yeah. it again? <clears throat> so who knows, right? So we don't know yet. It's way too early to understand. Number two is if that happens, you know, will we ever be sane enough to want to go back to being 65, 70,000 people in your own environment, like in one environment? In I one think area. we will. I mean, even if you know, like, <coughs> if, there's no, if there's no vaccine, right? This, yeah, but get it again. Like, but we, but we always have. Who knows? We, it was a bad, a bad experience. But we always have these scares, right? The bird flu scare, right? The SARS scare. Like we always have these things that, for a time, seem totally life changing and insurmountable. And and before this hit, like nobody fucking thinks about SARS anymore, right? Nobody fucking thinks about about swine flu yeah. anymore and bird flu anymore, right? These, these things have a way of just kind of petering out, and we go back to normal. And I think that that's what's going to happen with this thing. I just think it's going to take longer, obviously, and and it's going to be way fucking more costly. I mean, the only difference between what the ones you mentioned and this one is that we've never shut down the country for those. Yeah. I think when you do that, it's almost like a scare tactic. Not, a, I shouldn't say scare tactic. It is in the mindset of people. 
it's almost like we were just nuked. And now, because we were just nuked, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, you can't leave your shelter. Yeah. And when you do, it's like you're a vampire, and any anything is a threat, and you got to be careful of everything. And the last fucking thing I'm gonna do is go to a restaurant where I'm surrounded by people, and I'm sitting next to the table. Now, I look. I think what's gonna happen with the United States and, and in general the the world is that me and you at a dinner, we're sitting at a table, we're having a meal. There will be nobody to our left and right. I think that's going to be a thing. I, but I see, I don't believe in that shit because you still have to walk through. You still have to go to the bathroom there. Yeah. You're going to come into contact with all this stuff. I think more likely it's somebody more coughs yeah. and you just shoot them in the face, right? Like that's that. really the, the idea. That's where we have to go with this. You could do that. Well, let me tell you something. I, I've already made any arrangements. I was depressed. The first weekend in December, I will be in Las Vegas. The question for you is will you be getting lap dances in Las Vegas or is that too close? Is that, that is an interesting, you know what? <laughs> Interesting question. Come December, will you feel comfortable getting lap dances in Vegas? I don't think they're open by December. <coughs> Shut the fuck up. Really? If they don't open by December, here's the thing. If they don't open by December, oh, the they ain't opening for good. The industry's done. So you think there's no, you think they're all going under? Yes. Really? I think anything I would, think so. I think anything would put two people, now, I gotta be careful saying this because because you don't want to offend the prostitutes no, who are our listeners. Because there's also because when you when you talk about this, you're talking about also massage therapy and hair salons. Yeah. So I think that massage therapy and hair salons will eventually open. It's going to be interesting though how governments treat that. Do they do it where now with your with with the with like a strip club, you're getting a lap dance next to a hundred guys who're getting lap dances. Right with the massage therapy. Well, not me. I'm high class. I buy the private room. But well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, you are still be. in an environment. Yeah, you're still in that environment where a massage or like a haircut is one on one. Well, the haircut is. I mean, it's not that many people, but Unless but they it, say, hey, hey, you know what? Uh, one at a time. Sports clips. One at a time. They'll never. No, make no lobby anymore. You can't sit in a, in a in a lobby. It's you get your name called. Almost like what we're doing now with with, with takeout. You, you sit in the car, we'll text you when you're ready, and then you walk in. That, that, they might have to do that. The text when you're ready shit, you know? So maybe they do lap dances, but they'll text you when you're ready. <laughs> listen, listen, everybody has to stay outside of the strip club at least six feet apart. And when Candy's ready for you, we'll take you one at a time yeah, back to the room. You'll get a text, you come in, you get your lap dance, then you get the you fuck get out, out, you gotta yeah. wait. Yep. And you gotta wait, and you gotta go back online. We'll give you a drink in a, in a plastic cup. In a plastic <laughs> cup, and you wait outside again. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's we're not going to be the same. I think we're going back to normal. This is just where so. you and I, you and I part company. I think you're. I think you're. I, I think it's I don't know. six, eight months from now, it's going to be like it's never happened. I'm telling you right now, if they open up and shit, shit hits the fan again, it's. I'm telling you, it's going to be. The governors will start clamping down like you've never seen. They're trying to. They're trying to save their asses too, right? Like election season's coming up. Yeah, like, but you got to save your ass in both ways, like. You want to save your ass by shutting everything down so people don't get sick. And meanwhile, you tank the economy and half the small businesses go under. You're getting voted out either way. Exactly. So that's what I mean. This is damned if you do, damned if you don't. So that's why I don't know. I mean, I think different states are going to do it different ways. Fortunately for guys like you and me, I think Vegas out of necessity is going to have to be more aggressive in terms of opening shit up than a lot of other places. Because that whole city 
is based on obviously tourism and gambling and drinking and partying and strip clubs. Yeah. And without that stuff, they're dead. I mean, they're, that, their employees even return back to work. With and there are unemployment benefits now. There are there are hundreds of billions of dollars at stake in just in that one just in that one place that that I mean it could go away if they don't. UFC and, fights, fucking like the draft, all that shit, all that money, they were right, is gone. And and you know you're you're right. Like the hotel workers and the casino workers, like they're. I mean, they can get other jobs yeah. outside of Vegas. They deliver. can move. They can deliver right now. They They're can deliver. They can go to work for Amazon and deliver. They yeah. can do other things. You can't move the Aria. You know, you can't repurpose the Aria. You can't move it. You can't repurpose it. It is what it is. Yeah. You, your money sunk into that. And what happens if all the poker dealers decide not to come back? The, what happens if they decide we're not coming back? And now you have to train and we're gonna, again. Like it's yeah. It's a. It could be an entire fucking mess for oh, Vegas. Yeah. So that's why. I, but that's why I think Vegas is gonna have to be more aggressive in terms of opening up than than some other industries because I think at some point they hit a point where look, we don't open and take this chance. We're like we're done. So we yeah. we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to take the risk, and that's what Vegas, that's what that's what's great about Vegas, man. Just, taking a risk. Do you would you go to like we would, but like would the common person go to Vegas without Britney Spears or Garth Brooks or all the shows and all that still probably? Oh yeah, close, I think so. You know, I think. What so. kind of capacity do you think they're looking at, especially if like UFC is not there, sporting events aren't there? It's all it is. It's just you're going to Vegas. All you can do is go to a table. And by the way, when you go to a table, it's like two people at a table. Because they still want the social distance table, right? Or it's it's like you know you can only use the pool if like you maybe ten at a time. Like there's gonna have to be rules. They can't just have like we're open because it's gonna be a shit. <laughs> there's show. no rules in Vegas. Even Fuck that. There's no rules in Vegas. I'll tell you, it's funny because the mayor. You can Vegas, kill people in Vegas. There's no rules. The mayor of Vegas is saying until the casinos open up tomorrow. Like what are you doing? But the casinos are like. Fuck that. Because we don't want to kill fucking a thousand people and right. get our reputation destroyed. But at some point, they're going to have to roll the dice. This, see, this is what's great about, about life. Like, like the gambling is a thing. This is the ultimate gamble for a city like Las Vegas, right? At some point, they're just going to have to take the risk, roll the dice, open up, see what the fuck happens. And It's a PR thing, too, for these guys because, you know, 75% of the country is saying... No fucking way! I'm I'm going out to anywhere. Yeah. And you're listening to the 25. percent Well, now their brand just got fucking destroyed because you opened early. You just killed your employees. <laughs> you're not essential as a casino, but you listen to the 25 percent of, of, of the people. And now the 75 percent is like, going. I'm not going to Vegas anymore. Fuck you. We're just going to AC or we're going to. Go listen, else. Vegas puts me to some tough questions like whether to hit or stay. And yeah. now they have some tough questions about whether to open or not. I know. Because you're right. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be in their position, I'll tell you that. I wouldn't want to be in their position either because it's almost like being a politician. No matter what you do, yeah. half the people are going to oh, be fucking yeah. pissed off. Yeah. And if you, and, 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 by the way, too, if you're like, if you're the Aria, you mentioned, right? And you're, and I know they're the same company, so whatever, but MGM Grand down the road, right? Aria opens up May 15th. MGM Grant's like, we, we respect our employees. We're not going to open up until it's re- we're ready to go. There's no way they Vegas. can do that. But, you, but what I'm saying Vegas though, has got to make a group decision. You never know. No, they got to. They make didn't a make a group decision when they closed down. They kind of did. They're all closed that, well, now. It just took some it would, a week or yeah, two longer. I know. What I'm saying, though, is that could happen. It could take a week or two longer for the other people to say, Let's let the Aria open up and see what happens, you know? <laughs> Let's let them be the canary in the coal mine. Now, they, what the Aria might do, though, with that, with that see decision... See if everybody dies. With that decision, the Aria might get all of the employees back. They right, that's why... They hire MGM's guys. That's right. You know, so, yeah. All right, well, we'll have to see what happens. All I know 
is come hell to high water. I lost one Vegas trip this year. Come hell to high water. I'm going to be out in Vegas the first weekend of December. I'm going to be betting on football if there's football. Oh, I don't give a fuck. Look, I'm not going to be the only guy out in Vegas. I don't give a fuck if I'm in if I'm in there by myself, like in the you know on the blackjack table, and I'm the only one in the casino. I will be there too at this point. I'm, 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 I'll lose my flight if I can't, so I have to. I'm going. So that's just going to be what it's going to be. And um, oh, last last question before before we go here. 2021 April, will the NFL draft be back in Las Vegas next year? I don't think so. Really? I think the plans are just too. It. So the problem is like when you look at this, right? It's all supply chain based. It's a lot of planning. Uh, it's it's like they had. Listen, I don't. Can't you just roll everything over to the next year? I don't think so because you had you have bookings, right? You you pre-planned parties. You had. Transportation in place. You have just do that all again a year later. You've already planned it once. Well, I mean that's the problem. What? That's why they announced two bowls like two years in advance Uh, because it takes so long to fill this shit up. I see. So I don't know if you don't know if you and again who who is there to even plan it? Like is somebody is there anybody in the area that they can call and be like, hey, we need a block. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, for the NFL, you get on the phone. But is there anybody in the NFL? Like the problem is like who's working, who can do it. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think they're just gonna. I think they're just gonna run it back. We're gonna be New York. I know. I think we're going to be in Vegas for the 2021 draft. We'll see. Well, I think we're going to be there. The whole the whole catch though was that it's a brand new stadium. It is. It's still going to be a brand new stadium. No, they might play this year in Vegas. I guess. That's the thing. So but I, nobody's going to have gone. It's no, still a brand new stadium. I know, but like, I, but I, I don't know. But it's an interesting question. I, do I think no? Well, no. I don't. By the way, the plan that they were trying to do this year would have been shit anyway. Voting guys out. To them. We would have been there for fucking 16 hours. Like, I'm glad they didn't do it this year the hey, way they did it. 16 hours? I was drinking for 16 hours. Well, yeah. I would have like, been fucking happy. Yeah. It would have been so boring watching a guy fucking boat from where his parents were. He's gonna it's, not, his parents. it's not like you're boating across the ocean. It's the fucking pond at the Bellagio. Like, so two boat, minutes. Stand, watching him boat. It's two fucking uh, seconds. I don't know. It would have been boring as hell, I think. I don't think it would have been boring. Can oh, we just bring it back on. to basics and just have... No. It needs to be there. in Vegas. It needs to be a show. Well, I wanted to be in Vegas. I'm just saying bring it back to basics where I wouldn't have minded being on the strip. Like, we wouldn't have gone, but at least, like, have it on the strip. Have the stage there. Do it like Memphis. Memphis is great. You know, have everybody on the strip, everybody <sighs> looks at it, and then you can bet the sports book. Because honestly, if they had it in the Bellagio the way we're trying to do it, people would be in the sports, there would be a million people in the fucking sports book. Nobody would have been out there watching it. There'd be no point. You couldn't see shit. You had to watch, like, the whole, you could only see stuff lying at the fountain. Beyond those people, you couldn't see anything. That's right. <laughs> so it would just be the fountain people, and then it would be the yeah. rest of the assholes in the sports book. I liked it. I kind of wanted it to be a spectacle. All right. We're done. Thank you for listening, and please remember to hit the subscribe button because you want to get notifications of when we post more podcasts, and we want to get you back listening. Thanks very much, and we'll see you soon.